So welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast. This is where we explore the new game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance, resourcefulness, and well-being in the workplace. Join us if you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business. Join us if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber. And join us if you want to be part of the new revolution in understanding how the mind works and recognize that we are more than just our psychology and that that can lead to better results. Hello and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. And today's episode, another conversation lined up with a guest who's new to the show, relatively new to Quality of Mind, but I think it's got a really interesting background and take, and hopefully we're going to find out a lot more. So my guest is Yannick Love. Um, he might change how I pronounce his name in a moment, from the lovely Oslo. Uh, so welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Pierce. It's an honor to be here. Great. So Yannick, can you give listeners just a little bit of a background about where you've come from and what you do now? And I guess how come we're talking? Yeah, yeah, for sure. A short, short rundown of that. Uh, my name is Yannick Löwe. Oh, it's close. Originally, Almost. <laughs> I'm originally Danish. Now I live in Norway with my beautiful wife and three amazing children. Uh, I've spent like 20 years in the magical world of ballroom dancing, uh, competing. And in 2014, I retired after winning the professional world championships together with my wife. Uh, and then I spent eight, 10 years in uh, corporate leadership in retail, in the Scandinavian retail scene, and really enjoying that journey and the transformation in me. Uh, and the last, the latest uh, years, I've, I've turned that journey from my, from the dancing and the leadership uh, into coaching. Uh, so I went down the route of NLP and transformed a bit more. And, and now I'm here, uh, just popping out on the other side of seeing it in a bit, big, bit, bit uh, broader picture, let's say. Brilliant. Brilliant. And I often describe my work as a dance because yeah. you're dancing with the client, you're dancing with this wonderful enough that it is to be human and what's beyond that. Uh, yeah. so, and most of the conversations are a little bit of a dance. So here we are with someone who's actually a world champion dancer, uh, in the physical form. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to that. And the topic that we, we thought we'd talk about today, listeners is all about human potential, particularly within the, the corporate and organizational arena and kind of are we hunting for it in the wrong place and where could we look instead? So that was the broad topic that we wanted to discuss. How does that sound? Yeah, that, uh, that's hitting the head on the nail in, in how I see it. I'm very potential and I love that, that hunt or the dance with and around potential. And I'm very intrigued in really diving in and helping people see that in a different perspective than the normal day-to-day -day, uh, practical approach of, uh, of taking the screw and turning it with the screwdriver, let's say. Right. And I think that's, I think that's why you, you reached out to me because I think you saw something in what Quality of Mind is about that. And I'm like you in the, 
the the way most organizations and and me too you know 10 15 years ago would try to get performance and potential would be to look at the psychology of the person and try to apply tools or techniques to that um and and previous to that you know organizations would not even really look at the psychology they would come to look at what they're doing and just behaviorally try to get more compliance so it used to be that I was bringing the element of, oh, let's look at psychology rather than just get behavior compliance through through reward or risk. But actually now where we go is a, is a step up before that. You know, quality of mind, we call it before psychology. Um, and I think that probably mirrors some of your own journey. Is, is, is that right uh, in, in that, yeah. Anik? Yeah, yeah totally, uh, totally. I think that what you're also mentioning is that so many organizations start out with a place from a place before the psychology, right? They start out with a bigger picture of things with an existence, existential energy of what they want to create, uh, truly creative, truly innovative. And then the organization grows and then it comes down to what are we producing? What's on the bottom line? Uh, what are the, these KPI results and problem that lost for reports? What are they telling us? And then we reverse engineer that often. And then there's a wish for, and let's say the board or the stakeholders, they, there's a wish for changing the results. But then instead of starting starting from the beginning again, we, we work our way up, back up, trying to fix the result as a consequence of what the operation was, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and you're probably the same as me, I, I'm, and I often get the, the pleasure of working with entrepreneurs or people with their sort of first uh, ideas of their business as they start and they they come with a with a, a joy and a freshness and an energy and an inspiration maybe they're working with a co-founder and they've really got their mojo going you know that the aperture yeah. is wide it's exciting it's full of inspiration resilience and it's really quite interesting how and and sometimes sad how quickly that falls off mm. as they start to scale up maybe or get larger and the world starts to look different to them because they then start to get focused on maybe uh, proving things to investors or uh, they get worried about the form of what's going on um, and the deadlines and the pressures and, and it squishes their aperture, mm. which is where their creativity, resilience, inspiration lives. And they would come to someone like me or you and go, I want to get my mojo back. This it, yeah. was, it didn't used to be like this. The joy is gone. This is now grind. I'm now rowing, not sailing. Mm-hmm. What's happened? And sometimes they think, oh, that, oh, business is hard. But then you remind them, but what was it like in the first few months and years? Oh, that was, I, that was great. Now, right. is, is that something you can relate to? Oh, very much so. And I, and I think that that, like that's an a universal aspect, isn't it? For entrepreneurs, yes. For for the individual um, person in the organization, also this sense of when we get caught up and almost drowning in in all the noise of the mechanical systems around us, the structure, the discipline, the the tangible stuff. Which, yeah, as you mentioned, business is hard stuff like this, we get caught up and drowning in that in the sense that 
but that's that's not where we create from actually that we need that it's a good thing to be structured and have discipline and do things in a certain way there are proven systems for what in most cases work but but then neglecting and moving around the essence of where we come from and the actual potential I think that's where most people then uh, need a little guiding hand to get back to in my in in what I experienced. Yes, and and I would totally agree with you on that. And I think what's been fascinating for me over the years is sort of seeing the shift in what I think is in the way of that. So um as you say creating and human potential doesn't live down in the in the weeds of uh, or, or, of structure process and 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 that those kind of things although there is a there is a value of those in some organizations of course that's not where it lives so it, and then what seems to happen is that we invisibly uh innocently put all that lack of creation inspiration and, and potential down to us and then to try and find it again we dive into our psychology Oh, so what do I need to think, feel, and do in order to be like this again, right? And that's where we get guided to by often by very well-meaning coaches. Like I used to do that. You know, I used to point people back to their psychology to try and get to get that essence of mojo creation and inspiration and resilience back. That's where I used to point them. Mm. And it would sort of work. It would sort of work, but it's not what we're do- what I'm doing now which is pointing people to see something about the very nature of human potential and creation and where that lives. And that doesn't live in the psychology. That's why we call quality of mind before psychology. That lives in the, at the very essence of the nature of consciousness, of, of, of what we are before the self. And creating then comes as an emergence from that it doesn't come from us, mm. right? Mm. Um, it doesn't come from us. And I, I, the something you said before we press record on, uh, you said where we were talking about dancing and when you when you're coaching and mentoring others in the dancing, you said, "Be the samba. It is a, a live emergence through you. Don't try and replicate it from a dance book or do the one you did last week. It's sort of." comes through you so can you say more about that because i think it might nicely tie into what i'm talking to about before psychology yeah and i do that a lot uh pierce of course my my background as a dancer is not a separate chapter or or something that's on the shelf that i pull out sometimes it's a part of me right and i bring that into to my work in organizations and with clients because it's it's in the backbone and and it was like i was speaking with a client recently about so 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 when we dance right it's a, it's a pretty ballroom dancing is a pretty demanding sport i would call it when you do uh, these rounds and finals uh, it's a you take all the five dances in the latin american for example you would do them in a row on the floor it's like a, it's 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 a final it's called right you do napa and a cha cha and a rumba and then this concept of doing two and a half minutes of uh, full on physical activity in dancing um, and then times five on the floor, not going off for a break. And that can be physically demanding. Mm-hmm. And then you can conceptualize that in your brain as, as 
A final is physical demanding. So when I conceptualize that in a way, I become tired of the concept. So the concept drains me from energy already before I've begun. And, and I think that is very relatable into the workplace and into okay. individual performance, right? In the sense of, I, I don't want to see a final. No, I don't want to see a final because you press record on some a concept that you have. You remember your choreography, you remember the steps, you remember where you smiled and winked at me last time. I don't want to see that, right? If we take it into a practical sense. I want to see you from your pure essence of creativity, being the moment, breathing the beat, like in that sense of existentially experiencing music and time. That, that for me is energy. And that for me is where potential is. Potential, potential is very often suffocated by our psychology, our thoughts, right? Yes. I think it's a lovely way of putting it. And I often, just to get people to get practical on things, I, I talk about, think about times when you lose yourself. You know, it's a phrase we have in English. You know, you, I lost myself in that book. I lost myself in the conversation with my friend. I lost myself in the dance. I lost okay. myself when I was playing sport, right? And I guess it would be true for you that when people are really in their essence in dancing, the self, the way I describe the self, is not actually there. Yes. That, 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 that's gone. They're just through in that moment. If Roger Federer does an amazing tennis shot, you know, where the whole crowd go, whoa. In that moment, he wasn't thinking, I'm going to run really fast over there and I'm going to chip just in that. He's just, and it's, they would say the shot was inspired. You know, that's yeah. even a phrase. And we all have that, whoa, as we recognize the impersonalness of that, that is, it is our impersonal, you know, we all are part of that impersonal. So we lose ourselves. So I, I guess, uh, but you tell me if I'm getting this on the right page or not, that when people are really in that flow for dancing, there's no self there conceptualizing what's going on. They're just in it. Exactly. Exactly. Because when you involve yourself, so to speak, then we start limiting. Right. So let's now pop back to the business world, yeah. right? Yeah. How do, from your experience, how do you see the self getting in the way in business, in organizations? <laughs> Almost it happens already when you come into the office mm -hmm. and you get into the meeting room and all these small, low practical, interhuman inter uh, relations start to play out and it, 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 it um, kind of puts a filter on the situation, right? So all the selves that are then in the meeting room clutter up the essence of what we want to actually create, the energy that's there to potentially be created is, is very often just cluttered up by this filter of all the selves. Yeah. And in, in, in leadership, I don't know if we are too uh, uh, intangible or abstract here, but in leadership and in the support of serving others or in my own performance, uh, that, that primitive part of self is, is not really of any value. Right. Uh, no, absolutely. And regular listeners might have listened to the podcast um, I did on selfless leadership with, with Katrin. And 
the theme of the quality of mind is always pointing to this, to really to serve in an organization is to be selfless. And I don't mean selfless in, oh, put others in front of you. I mean, to not have the self, for the dissolution of the self. And I think you're right. You can see it turn up in the meeting, but it's even there before that in how we self-identify with our career. You know, and I am someone that needs to have a position in the workplace, in society, to have a job that has a title. And then the idea is that I get progression. I go from this title to this title to this title. So even before I've got into the meeting in, in the beginning of my day, I've already put the self on. Mm. You know, I've woken up in the morning, my eyes have just ding, and myself's already started to get dressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, yourself is already starting to get dressed before you even get out of bed, right? Before you even get out of bed, before yeah. you got to your first Teams meeting of the day. Yeah. There's, there's, there's almost like there's a few seconds in the morning when we're just, and then. Yeah, I, I used to, I normally uh, put it like this, that it's it's kind of a, a hypnotic dance that you do with yourself from, from the alarm clock goes. And then all the way on all the things you have to do if you're if you have a family you have to shower or get yourself ready get into the car stay stuck in traffic park the car go to your office and then go to the meeting room or if you're on teams right it's mm -hmm. all a part of the programming into this yeah into the habits of finding yourself yeah and you do all the same things to get into the program because that see uh, initially that feels secure because you're used to it. Right. Now, here's where we're getting interesting because, as you say, initially that feels secure. So what we do is we attach or tether our sense of well-being, okayness, and, e and even potential and performance to the idea of this self. So that's what we attach it to, going, all right, for me to thrive in the world and to do all this, I'm going to attach it to what this self's capable of through various forms of life and work. And fundamentally, what we're saying is anything the self comes up with or anything conceptualized is a limitation to potential. So we've tethered it to the wrong thing <laughs> because that's the, the, the self by definition is a contraction uh of of consciousness and when we're really performing at our potential there's no self there so it's like we've joined the wrong bus you know <laughs> we, 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 we've been mining in the wrong place we've attached yeah. it to the wrong thing thinking it's stable uh, stable and it's full of no it's not it, it's a functional utilitarian thing we have that helpfully um, makes the world more finite when we need to make distinctions and, and utilitarianly navigate the world. It's not where potential joy, love, compassion, inspiration, and creativity come from. No, and, and like you pointed out uh, also very rightfully is that, yeah, but it, this this time of, type of thinking is very useful when I'm at the tea junction. I have to choose if I have to go to the right or left, depending on what the supermarket is, if that's my goal, right? Um, but, but I'm... I'm just in awe of the imagination of an organization where we can just observe results. We can observe them. We can, they can just be acknowledged as natural, naturally created consequence of the process behind and leave it at that. 
Right. And I, I think you're right, because one of the biggest enemies of this potential is the known. Yeah. You know, so as soon as we know something, it's gone from infinite to finite. Yeah. Right. Now, what have Binz's love doing? They love setting targets and goals and knowing what's going to happen. Right. The idea that you trust in the unknown businesses don't like because they feel it's intangible. They think it's risky. Um, so if, if someone comes up with a business plan and it can't be proven down to the last degree, they're like, oh, well, that's no, sorry. No, you, we, we can't do that. You, you haven't proven this. You haven't got enough known around this. I need to know more. Well, that's just going to squash you. Hmm. Now, when going back to the you know the, the entrepreneurs and startups, that they they don't know, but they don't mind that they dance with the the unknown. They're like, okay, let's see what happens. It's very emergent. It's breadcrumbs. It like we'll go a little bit further than we see, and it's emer the emergence that just comes forward. And I think one of the biggest enemies in in a corporate in organisations is their their over reliance on information and 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 the known. C couldn't agree more and isn't that also funny when you then see how in all the different ways when you start to reverse engineer back from your results right and you go back to the middle leaders and then you go back to having a strategy working upstream to through people actually on the floor actually creating the results and actually selling you know, whatever industry we're in and and then we we started to talk about okay we need people more motivated what do we do? Mm. How do we follow them up? And so motivation is a funny thing, right? Because I normally, normally I say I don't believe in motivation and that may be a funny thing to say as a, as an athlete, but mo the way at least that I experience motivation being used as a driver for affecting results is, um, artificial, superficial, it has no place in in actual human value uh and i'm painting broad strokes here but uh going back to this place where like you speak about the entrepreneurs there is no fixed 15-year business plan and that create and that pushes them to surf the waves they of course know in what kind of direction they want to go but they are much more able to surf whatever comes their way and they have an energy that is not to compare with anything. And that energy gives them drive to continue to serve for days and days and days. That's mm. where we find the real creativity. And you will never get there by working low practically with motivation. And, and I totally agree with your motivation. I mean, you, you mentioned you've got three kids. I mean, you don't motivate a two-year-old to be full of joy and creativity. That's the mm -hmm. essence of the two-year-old, yeah. full of joy yeah. and creativity. There's no need, well, I'm going to motivate you, a bit of motivational strategy in place. I, I'll put a, <laughs> you know. So m motivation, I think, is what we do when we don't recognize what we truly are. But motivation is, is what I would call rowing. It's psychologically trying to grind and graft your way towards something that you think you should be doing. It's yeah. totally different to harnessing inspiration and desire, which is a synchronization of the self with what's before that. And that's where that's where we sail up on turf, right? So motivation, I think, is what organizations do when they don't understand the human condition. 
Yeah. They apply strategies, behavioral or compliance or motivational strategies. I'll get them motivated as if yeah. the self has the ability to motivate another self. It doesn't really. It, 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 no. doesn't. it might appear like that sometimes. Yeah. 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 And of right. course, uh, an, uh, an action can be, well, let's say motivation in that sense for me is very short term. A motivation could be yeah. walk over to the other uh, side of the street, you'll find a piece of chocolate. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I could yeah. be motivated to do that right now in the, this self. I mean, yeah, but it's not something that will, in my uh, perspective, drive results or create real change. Yes. And I, and I think you can tell, can't you? I mean, there's a lot of people who get, who suffer burnout um, or get fatigued. Yeah. Um, and I always think that's a really interesting feedback that people are trying to operate from motivation. They're grinding, yeah. they're psychologically yeah. grinding because w when you're in flow, it's, it's a different kind of tired. You just get a beautiful, exhausted, tired. It's not a burnout tired and it replenishes quite quick. So I think, you know, if business is fit or work is feeling hard, you're getting towards burnout. It's just a sign to say, Hey, I'm using the wrong part of the system. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's feedback, not yeah. to be tried to be fixed with uh, tools and techniques and, and oh, we'll have a week off then and, and then come back into the same thing. You know, it, it, yeah. it's, it, it's the biggest wake up call. So, so, so now let's just move the conversation a little bit. Well, what do you do then, given everything that we've been talking about? How would you uh, work with an organization or how would you work in your coaching? with someone who uh, had not quite yet recognized what we were saying, how, how do you help people in, in your way? Mm. Well, first of all, we meet people on different levels of uh, having their nose stuck into the grind, mm -hmm. right? And depending on, on where you are, I think that's very important to kind of, I see very often I resemble myself as an acupuncture, right? Mm -hmm. Acupuncture that you kind of, put the needles in to the most narrowing, limiting ideas of where you are and you, how you see your problems and let that nerve relax and let go. Mm. Because I think it's, it's on the other side of letting go of what you experience is actually stopping you or challenging you. And that can be, that can be on, on a team level, that can be a whole organization, but of course, individuals that are really holding on to limiting, uh, I want to say beliefs, but it's broader than beliefs, mm -hmm. perspectives on, on themselves and what they're doing and why they're doing it. Mm. And I'm going to take your acupuncture meta metaphor and go a little further, but tell me if it doesn't work because, uh, and I'm not you know, an expert in acupuncture, but what I can <laughs> see from acupuncture is often where you put the needle is nowhere near where you've got the presenting issue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you might have something in your temple or to, for, for back pain or, or vice versa, um, because the whole body mind system is one holistic system. It's not literal. Um, and I think I think there is another technique where you put needles into release a particular nerve or muscle. But I don't think that's for meridian based acupuncture from what I can tell. But <laughs> so, but to, to, to get out of my metaphor back into the other thing is. Often where I start with people is you know, I listen to their presenting issue, but then sort of go, well, fascinating that you see like that, but that's not where we're going to start because, yeah. 
there's something else for you to understand about the nature of the mind and the self first. Mm. And then when you do that, and then later on, you go back to that presenting issue, you go, how does that look now? And they're like, oh, well, that's kind of dissolved. It's not there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I normally, I think I say it pretty much along the lines of that. So it's like digging deeper what we all, whenever we present a challenge that we experience, we experience it on the surface, but it's ne that's never the challenge. Right. Now, so that's interesting, right? So, so let's dig deeper into your digging deeper. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> because I think what happens is that there's two ways you can go in that, right? And this is really interesting. So sometimes people will dig further down into their psychology, right? Yeah. So they yeah. try to find meaning on their meaning. Right. Yeah. And they dig into their narratives and go dig, 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 dig. And oh, that's because of that. And that's because of that. And that's because when I was a child, this happened. And blah, blah, blah. And that to me is is the unhelpful place to dig. To dig that yeah. way down, right? Yeah. Just takes you further down into your psychology with more and the self's coming up with more reasons and narratives, whatever. Now, the other place to dig, if, if we're going to use the dig, uh, is to trace it back to, ah, oh, this, everything I'm thinking, feeling, perceiving right now is on behalf of the self. Mm. And that itself is a narrative. Th this me that it's all on behalf of is also just an appearance in consciousness. There's no separate entity that is me that can have this presenting issue. Right. So when I trace it back that way, when I dig back that way, upstream, if you want to call it. Yeah. Come back and go. So, so let's, you just, let's just take this very simply for, for listeners in case we're losing them. So if we say, um, I, I am frustrated with the business results uh, that are coming. Yeah. If you dig into narrative, you'll go, well, okay, well, what's going on there? Well, the market's tough and this is kind of this. And so you, you point there, then you go, oh, I'm, I'm disappointed that my, my leadership can't get the sales guys to work better. Oh, and that's because I'm not very good. We're working with those types of people. You know, you could dig that way and, and that could, you could dig, 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 right? Now let's take the sentence and dig the other way, which is I'm frustrated on the, the sales performance. You come back, you don't really dig, you don't actually dig very far in the sentence. You stop at the word I. <laughs> right <laughs> you don't go into frustrated about the sales before you stop at the word i and oh this appearance of frustration with the narrative of the sales thing is is i self-identified with that as coming from me now if you then go well what is me well me is actually another thought because when I'm in that flow that we were talking earlier, there's no me. I'm just dancing. I'm just chatting in the meeting. I'm just whatever, right? There's no me in there. So so first of all, we have to go, hang on a minute. I've got this idea of frustration, which is just a sensation, which I identify with the body, mind, and me. And then I've made it about the sales team. So if you go back and see, oh, all of everything I've done is based on this idea that there's a, the mistaken identity that there's this entity called separate me that needs to be stopped being frustrated about. You dig that way and soon you go, oh yeah. The frustration is just a construct of this thing called me, which is also a construct. 
and you you boil it down to the rawest thing, which is maybe there's something to change about how the sales guys operate, or maybe there isn't. I, I don't know. But you know, you, you take away all the kind of uncomfortableness. I've got to do this, and then there's just the isness of that. Without the narrative, it's just a raw perception. And that's what taps you back into your potential to see that differently, to come up with new ideas, to to vibe with your colleagues on it. And it's just a, huh. So I, I don't know whether that made any sense to you as I was going on that little little journey. Um, you know, I, I, I hope that there's somebody sitting out there and the penny just dropped because I think that's, that's really in the core of what it's about. And also I'm just, I'm guessing for a lot of people and businesses and managers, the time difference of that, like the time difference of digging into that one layer and peeling off the little skin layer after skin layer in, in the narrative, that is time consuming and draining from here to the moon, right? And what you're talking about is is taking that whole process and narrowing it down to like the blink of an eye. Yes. I, and I, absolutely. I mean, it takes 10 seconds to trace it back yeah. to the eye. Yeah. But yeah. we spend a lot of our day doing the former, which is going into my narrative, going, what's going on here? How come this is going on here? How can I fix it? So we spend our day in our onion layer, if you <laughs> to use your... Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And that is it's tiring. Yeah. It takes time. And the reason it's tiring, I always think, is the kindness of design going, don't go this way. It's sort of t- the reason yes. it's a bit icky and a bit tiring is it's a system going, go the other way. This isn't the direction you want to come. But we think, oh, because life is hard, it should feel tiring and draining. That that's kind of the point. Yeah. So, so we miss we miss the the feedback in the system. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And, and and then we think, oh, because this is hard, I have to pay a lot of attention to getting out of it. And we come up with very complex solutions to get out of it. And all we've got to do is trace it back to the eye and it dissolves. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think there's something too simple about it? Whenever people ask me that, I ask them to go somewhere else to look for complexity. Right. Yes. Get your complexity, <laughs> get your fix of complexity somewhere else. You mean? Yeah. You don't yeah, find because, it here. <laughs> right. That there is also a sense of sense of um, we can trace that back to an egoistic action of wanting to pers- um, to stand out in a certain way or being complex and clever for what reason? Uh, yeah, to be looked at and judged and recognized and patted on the shoulder. For me, personal change or change in a team or organization, if it's not easy, it's wrong. Yes. So that's like a little um, a, a warning signal. It's like, it's like a rumble strip in the road. If it's really, really heavy and uphill and like you're walking through treacle, walking through mud, that's yeah. giving you a clue. There's too much psychology involved. There's too much self involved. Yes. And that can happen. That can happen. Like I meet fascinating, inspiring people that can sometimes invite me to resonate down this down the road of complexity. And as soon as I feel the the wrinkles in my forehead going, ah, wait a second, this is getting too complicated. What am I buying into that you're telling me, which is down the rabbit hole, right? It has yeah. to be, it really yeah. has to be uh, simple. Uh, like time, 
I don't know. It was a it was a thought I got when you were talking before about. I always say that whatever you're experiencing, let's use a term as performance, uh, describing the result of what we're doing. Right? Whenever you're assessing that performance, it's it is a consequence. It's a following of the state of your experience you're in when you are in the zone of flow or whatever you want to call it. It's a consequence of that state. And the consequence of that, will that be a brilliant, in-the-moment, artistic, original, authentic performance? Or will that be a, how, I don't know what the consequence of you thinking about the judge looks like in dance moves, but I'm guessing it's not sophisticated. Mm. Right. Mm. So tracing everything back to the state you're in, in the moment and all the lines of thought that we do. And when I, when I get people to look at that, it's like, yeah, yeah, I can't really be disappointed with my result now because I remember the thoughts and the process I was in when creating it. And that wasn't good. I was stressed off. Right. Ah, right. Interesting. So what you are helping someone do, whether, you know, let's take it more business now. Let's, let's take them in a sales yeah. conversation, right? Uh, or it could be a dance, but let's say it's a sales conversation. So, you know, and, and there'd be some conversations where they were just in the flow of it with their customer and just pop, you know, and this beautiful outcome came out and there wasn't a lot of thinking in it. There wasn't a lot of monitoring the, the, the buyer for the signals and the body rapport and all that. It was just yeah. happening. It was just is natural yeah. happening. And other times when they were more, the, the thoughts coming and going, oh, what should I say now? What do I do now? What are they doing now? What, have, have I got it right? All my bonus is attached to this. Oh, you know, <laughs> all these things coming in. Yeah. And noticing the different, what I would call aperture, you'd call state of that. Now, I think what's fascinating is then, because once we get a little tuned into that, we're like, wow, that's so important. But then the temptation of the self-mind is, to, as you said earlier, is to reverse engineer or thingify, how do I get myself into that state, the, the flow yeah. one, right? So then what we want to do is reverse engineer and think, and think our way into flow. Mm. right or have a technique to get ourselves into flow mm-hmm. no you can't do that either because th- this is the opposite of that it's the, the dissolving of the self that allows flow mm-hmm. not the adding in it's not additive it's subtractive mm. so but the trouble is with people when you give them a sight of something they want the self comes in and tries to get more of it which is what yes gets in the way. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a paradox, really. Exactly. Yeah. It's about so 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 let, let, let's bring it back around to our topic today, which was um sort of where do we mine for human potential? Yeah. Mm. Um and if you were to sort of sum that up, how how would you say that from this conversation? You know, coming back to like so human potential, you know, where should we mine for it and where aren't we mining for it? You know, what would you say? That's a big question, but I think that I would really urge people and we're talking organizations and teams to on getting people back from the results, back from the behavior and, and understanding that the potential in itself is an infinite entity. Mm-hmm. And not bound to you and me, not bound to our circumstances and where I'm at right now in my life. 
my, let's say my potential is, is not, is light years bigger than what I can even imagine because I don't understand my potential as where I am right now. So has having that as a foundational starting point, if that, because for me, for me in, in organizations that, that adds or raises the value of each human being mm. and the potential that that human being holds. And if, if we would actually have the guts to invest time, energy, and love into that, there would, there would be no competition being able to follow you. Mm. Yes, I, I, I think you're right. It's, it would be such a refreshing way for organizations to, to look at it, to, to start the other way from where they normally start. <laughs> As you say, pull back from results, pull back from behavior, go back to see that every single person in that organization is a potential, is, is, is a, and I don't just mean the potential you think someone's got, unseen potential yeah. is part of this infiniteness that, that, we, that we all are. I, I find it fascinating when I start to think about even what we imagine is limited. So, so don't be limited by your imagination because that's already been imagined. So some people go, oh, you've got to imagine the future you want. I'm like, no, don't imagine the future you want. Mm. Well, you can, but recognize that what you've imagined is already cooked. It's yeah, exactly. a limitation. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But if it's already in your imagination, it's already finite. Yeah. Every thought is finite. As we said earlier, every thought is finite. So know that there's more beyond that. Now, people are going to go, well, what's beyond that? Well, no, that's that. Don't ask that because you're not going to know, right? You just have to know there is something. <laughs> yeah. And that will be revealed in due time when you are stretching far enough. Then you call me. Ah, I didn't see, I didn't, I never saw that, but now I see that. And then there's something on the other hand. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and a little way, listeners, you can check into this is just ask yourself, you know, just, just cast your mind back to, to when amazing things have happened in, in work or, or even in life. Did you, did they come from a very sequential linear? I worked this out. I did this. I no, a highly unlikely. They, they, there'll be some degree of serendipity or synchronicity or emergence to it, you know, and maybe half an hour before it happened, you didn't even know it was going to happen. I mean, people have been in workshops where they, oh no, we're not getting anywhere. We've got no new ideas. We've got no new ideas. And then, you know, we reset and then blow the mind back open again and something pops out. It's like, yeah. wow, where was that hiding in plain sight? Mm -hmm. So listeners, it doesn't take much to look at your own direct experience of how your potential works or that of your kids or whoever. And you can see that it's, it's the most amazing things happen when we're not trying to psychologically lean, in, lean into them mm -hmm. and we're not reverse engineering them. The reverse engineer is just our attempt to control something because the self wants to control it. Oh, how did we do that? Let's work backwards. No, I mean, you, you're going to, you're going to, not get the best out of us if you do that. Um, so, but organizations will need to give up their controlling mandate, yeah. their command and control mandate, their kind of fear of getting it wrong, their fear of letting down their investors or <clears throat> whatever it might be. So it does require a little bit of a surrender, would you say? Oh, massively. And then for some, for some organizations, it, it, <laughs> 
it really takes guts, right? From from key stakeholders, from from key people to to change this. Because the thing is that you can't one one person can't uh, decide that this is the way we go. If we want to make a, a culture where this is where where there is no self, and we're just here and we acknowledge each other for the potential that we are, and we can't give it deep like that. That's a team. That's a team thing. It, it's not difficult to incorporate it. It's not difficult, but it it takes a it takes a decision, and it takes a decision to do it all the way through. Otherwise, there will always be these expectations from some people and letting down somebody else, and then all these energies. It's gonna suffocate both performance and and the joy and the energy, and uh, and there will be no uh, yeah. It's gonna be the same old. Mm. I, I think you're right about the guts because I mean because it's so not at the moment and it's changing. It's not the conventional way to do it. No, um, it might be in ten years' time. Uh, who knows? If, if if we get our way, you never know. Um, but <laughs> it, it, at the moment, it feels like it's countercultural to do what we're suggesting. Yeah, um, it's not counter nature. It's countercultural. <laughs> They're very different things. <laughs> um, and the funny thing is that I think we're just in this age where, like, yeah, but now the conventional way of trying trying to implement this or repair this is just like yeah the famous uh free food and beanbags right it's like yes yeah no <laughs> yes and it's very tactical it's very yeah. um it, it, it's well-meaning at one level but it's yeah yeah it's it's not really understanding it but it tick boxes let me ask you a question as we start to wrap this up mm. if, if there was one or two little sound bites or sentences that you could say to a organization looking in this direction or possibly looking in this direction or at least fed up with their current direction what, what would you sort of say to them if they were listening to this podcast for the few that uh, that actually listened all the way through <laughs> you have the courage mm. and and i think that you know it's right to to let go of that, of that self and and those limitations, and and actually look at the potential of your people, yeah. And that would be a real service. Yes, and I think it's. I think you're right. So I'll just elaborate on what you said. I think it's it's, it's a very good point. Is that when we get out of our head, get out of the self, intuitively, if you want to use that phrase, do we realize that? things to be substantially different there needs to be quite a change in how we approach it most of us would go yes right we kind of know for this otherwise it's just always fixing symptoms always fixing symptoms yeah you know are we going to allow ourselves to go with that intuitive sensing that there's something different here that's our question isn't it and, and what i think what we're saying is yes go with it because at one level the worst that could happen is you'll be no worse off than where you are now the best that can happen is purely transformative, yeah. right? And what kind of leader do you want to be? Are you want to be the one that always plays it safe and always, you know? But so really, there's nothing to lose apart from a little bit of curiosity and time, which we're losing all the time anyway. So that's already lost. Um, so there's really only gain from from looking in this direction. And I think what doesn't help is people don't really know what to do next. I go, well, if I am interested, what do I do? Well, I would suggest you have a chat with one of us or, or listen to some other podcast or or just go, well, tell me, okay, I want to make this practical now for me in my scenario. That's what a coach does. It can help you bring it from the kind of, oh, that's interesting to, 
Well, how would it work here? So come down a level of granularity if need be. If you want to go back up to the profundity of what we're talking about, then you know there's other podcasts and things you can listen to. But for most people, it's like going, okay, I'm curious enough now. I've got intrigue. I want to know what it means. So we can have that conversation. We're not doing that right now on the podcast because it's different for everyone. But to, this is universal, what we're talking about. So no one's immune to this. Couldn't agree more. You know, and, and that's beautiful, isn't it? The fact that it's not like, oh, you know, only some humans, this is only available no. to some humans. No, it's every human, any human. Yeah. And, and to use a finish off in a, in a couple of cliches, but like if you want to make a real impact, <laughs> mm. do real stuff with real people mm. and not get stuck in, in the conventional, uh, conventional way of, uh, of approaching it. Mm. Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on. And it becomes, and it has more joy. Not only if it's better results, it's also more joy. I mean, gosh, how, how, it sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, Yannick, thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Um, and Likewise. I would suggest to listeners, listen to it a couple of times, if you can. You know, there's be little bits in there. If you've got questions, please, please reach out to one of us. I'll put your details in the show notes. People can contact yeah. you on, on uh, wherever you find the most useful. Um, sure. it, it, brilliant. Well, thank you for your time. Thanks for the chat. Enjoyed it. Listeners, hope you did too. And have fun being curious and catch you next time. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to know more, check out our website at qualityofmind.biz and also feel free to reach out and leave us a review or a comment. Until next time, have fun being curious.